You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban. What you got for me, Isaac? It's none of your business, Nick. <laughs> oh, man. I got Carlisle this weekend, guys. Nick got Carlisle. I wasn't there. I was watching Embiid, but it was greatness whenever Nick told me about it, and I just laughed. But that's part of it. It was, everybody's been Carlisle before. Everybody so. has, and that's why everybody laughs in the room. Uh, we, we will get to that comment. I wanted to do a, uh, a news roundup first. This is our Monday show, guys. Monday. Have a good Monday, everybody. If you're, Monday. Go, if you're going to work, do something awesome today. Do something out of the ordinary. Don't get fired, but do something different today. <laughs> so let's, get, let's start out with some news here. Seth Curry, we got an update today in morning practice that uh, Seth Curry has begun live activity. Um, so he's actually you know, playing. We've seen him warm up for a bunch of these games, uh, especially the, the Sixers game. We saw him warming up. We saw him basically – it looked like he was in full uni- uniform and attire and everything. Like he looked game ready to me. Yeah, he did. He's going through shooting stuff. Um, right now, I actually have a source uh, tell me that what? he – yeah, we uh, Earl we should... just te- Earl just texted him. That's pretty much <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect uh, Seth any this week, no. and that we should get some news uh, long term on Seth, um, or at least the situation this week. So, so we're getting some of that. He is going to travel with the team. They have this four day um, road trip kind of coming up. Saw that they wrote that on the wall. So they got that coming up. Other injury news, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has been dealing with tendonitis in his knee, and so that's why his playing time has been extremely limited. Some people have been really confused by that because it just seemed like it shifted on a dime. Like the Mavericks have no wings. They're playing all these guards. They have, you know, Carlisle said on Saturday that they have eight centers on the roster if you, if you count, you know, Kleba and, uh, you know, Powell and Dirk as centers. They have eight centers on their roster. Withy. Yeah, well, definitely. Withy, you want to just name them all? Withy, Sala, Noel, um, yeah, Dwight Powell, Kleba, <laughs> Dirk. Gosh. Everyone, half the roster. It's crazy. So they have all those centers, and they're like, why aren't we playing the one like true wing player besides Barnes that we have? Uh, it's because of that. He's been dealing with that. So he's been really limited in his playing time and things. Um, also, other news. The Dirk milestone list continues to he continues to climb up the all time list. He passed Kobe Bryant. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he was a basketball player in the early two thousands. <laughs> up until recently, he once scored eighty one points in a game. He uh, in his final game against the Utah Jazz, he scored sixty points and uh, went out with a bang. He played for the Nick, Los Angeles Nick has, Lakers. He asked to be traded to the Clippers one time in his career, but he did not get traded. He also Nick has a tattoo of him on his upper thigh. I was actually never really a huge Kobe fan, to be perfectly honest. 
Uh, I was a I was a Shaq guy. I have two Shaq jerseys in my closet right now. I have a Shaq thirty four from the Lakers, and then I have a Shaq um, thirty two from Miami. That's how big of a Shaq fan I was. That when he went to Miami, I followed him, and I still got his jersey. Uh, you you do know Shaq was overrated, right? Stop it. Shaq was the best player. <laughs> Shaq was Shaq was the Shaq under. We're not go, we're not going to go down this road right All now. Right, sorry, he underperformed more than any player in NBA history. Okay. But I actually do stand by that comment, though. That he's overrated? Yes, I do. I, he could be overrated, but he underperformed. That's the thing about him. Anyway, uh, one time I saw him and Yao Ming play. Like That was the first live NBA game I ever saw, and it changed my worldview. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dirk passed Kobe Bryant for 12th all-time in NBA's uh, three-pointers made. Isaac, of the top, of the top 30... In three-pointers made, 11 of them played for the Dallas Mavericks. This is just NBA. This is 11 of the top 30 three-pointers made played for the Dallas Mavericks. Can you name them? Oh, crap. I mean, Jet and Jason Kidd. Jet and Kidd, I'll give you those. One Page, one we've already Page. said. Peja. We already said? Yeah. The reason why we're talking about this. I mean, besides Dirk? No, like, Dirk. Are we, are we count, we'll, we'll oh, okay. Dirk. Oh crap! I mean, after that, two-time MVP. Those, those are just the things that. Talk, I mean, Nash. Nash is on there. Uh, his son just destroyed the Cavaliers tonight in a, a win. Oh, Timmy. Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. scored thirty-four points against the Cavs tonight, and the Knicks beat the Cavs. Guys, it is. It is the NBA is insane. Everybody that yeah. says everybody that says don't worry about it, you know, why should we even watch the league this year? The Warriors are just gonna run away with it. It's games like this. Games where the Knicks destroy the Cavs is <laughs> games where you watch I mean they beat them by nineteen points tonight. That was the first that was the last winless team in the league. Was the Knicks? It was the Knicks. And yeah. They, and they beat the NBA finals. All right. Uh next one, his jersey's gonna get retired sometime this year. Harper. Nope. Other guy. Okay. In Dallas? Yeah. Oh, he's going to get retired eventually. Maybe not this year. Oh. Um, it was reported on. Brad Davis? No. no Dennis, Dennis tried to get his number. Dennis tried to. He's in the front, oh, he's in the front oh, office. Finley. <laughs> Finley's in the top. Finley's in the, he's 27th on the all-time oh. three-pointers made list. He did play for a while. Yep. I just didn't think he. Another one was, an, he was an all-star with the Lakers. Really? Yeah. An all-star with the Lakers? How many all-stars have the Lakers had? Yeah, but he also played for the Mavericks. Oh. That's the whole point. Is that all these guys have played for the Mavs. I can't think he of also, it. He also played for the, the Miami Heat when Shaq and Dwayne Wade went to the finals that year. I think he played in 2006, if I remember correctly. Oh, snap. I'm drawing a blank. Him and Seth Cove, the same first name. Eddie, Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Am I right? Dang. Am I right about him playing in No. Six? I feel like I remember that. Uh, mm. Another one that you're gonna. So you missed the the second highest person on this list. He uh, is the oldest player in the NBA, currently. Vince. Vince Carter is like top ten, oh, top yeah. five in three pointers made. That's crazy. And then yeah, the, the one that you missed, or there, there's two more. One of them, he's my uh, my Twitter handle is inspired by him. 
Nick Van Exel. <laughs> and then Dale Ellis is the last one. That I Dale did, Ellis. Did not expect yes. you to get. But, yeah, so there you go. So 11 of the top 30 hmm. uh, NBA all-time three-pointers made have played for the Mavericks. That's Jason Kidd. This is in order. Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Jason Kidd, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Pedro Stoyakovich, Dale Ellis, Steve Nash, Eddie Jones, Tim Hardaway, Nick Van Exel, and Michael Finley. How about that? How about that? How about that? Some of those guys, I don't even. When I think of Eddie Jones, I think of the Hornets. I think of Dale Ellis. I think of the Sonics. Yeah. Right. Yeah, That's no, wild. no. They're not like, but they did play for the Mavericks at one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Derek Fisher, let's go. <laughs> He's not up there, so I was glad to not include him. And I stopped at 30. I could have kept going, but I just yeah. wanted, I wanted to get Finley in there because I didn't think you'd get it. Mm-mm. All right, so now let's talk about the. Philadelphia 76ers game. Before the game, I asked Carlisle a simple question. He had be- Before this question, he had been talking about how um, he and Dennis Smith Jr. on the plane ride after the Memphis game that we talked about where they, they lost on that last-second shot that Dennis you know took where Barnes hit those threes at the end. Um, he, they lost the game, and after the game, you know, on the plane ride home, Carlisle and Dennis had been, you know, talking about all their plays and watching all of his film and going over it. And so he'd been talking about that. And so I asked him this specific question. I just said, you know, I, I just asked this question. Let's just put it like that. What kind of conversation did you have about that final shot he took against Memphis in the last game? None of your business. <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> and so so don't listen to Chris Hollywood Cole. Don't listen to him when he says that like my face got red and I was like, you know, like frowning and all this stuff. I was laughing at everybody. I I thought it was funny. I had never been truly Carlisle before and it it got me. He really got me cuz usually I'd ask him questions and he kind of begrudgingly answers them, but this is the first time he was like, "No." <laughs> cuz it's like classic Rick like that was an actual good question. Like that, I mean, that that's a good question. But like what makes Rick unpredictable sometimes is he just picks. You yeah, know, he just picks and chooses. <laughs> he can be answering, you know, a question great and really diving into something and then all of a sudden just one question it's like, you know, I'm just going to be a smart aleck about it. And I'm just <laughs> going to give you a short answer and say, you know, make you feel stupid. Classic Rick. But I tried to explain it to my wife and she did not understand. She's like, well, why is he the way that he, why is he that way? And I was like, well, you know, like when you're really good at something, you know, he's like the you know second or third best coach in the NBA, you know, you have all this job security and power. It's like, you, you know, you can mess around with media people and, you know, do whatever you want and knock them off balance and stuff. And she's just like, I don't get it. Why is he a jerk? <laughs> and you know, like we, we always praise Carlisle and he's, you know, a wizard of coach, like everything like that. Yeah. But from a media perspective, man, I get really jealous whenever I talk to coaches like Fizdale. Or Steve like even, Kerr. Like Steve Kerr. Even Doc Rivers was a even, joy to talk to. Even like, talking to Brent Brown the other day, um, you know, just in a media scrum with his accent and talking about the center. <laughs> Jaleel Okafor is a center. But now, like, just personally talking to some of these other coaches, like, man, it it'd be nice sometime to like talk to someone that actually like looks at you as a fellow human being and doesn't look at, look at you like a peasant from another like planet. And I think it honestly, it's only in like media scrums that he's kind of like this. I don't know if I've seen him, you know, at least to media, like one-on-one or whatever, but yeah, 
just does not oh, like well. the, the media aspect of it. Sometimes he does, which is hilarious because he was a broadcaster. Well, and what's funny about it is sometimes people, you know, will ask me like, oh, how, how's Cuban? Like, how's Cuban when you talk? Cuban's great, man. Cuban's like, Cuban's awesome. Every time he ever talk, like, Cuban will answer your questions. Cuban, even if it's stupid, Cuban will answer your question. Yeah, and like he even he'll joke with you. Like Cuban's never like Cuban's a joy to talk to. Like you go into New York, like kind of smile. Like when you walk up to Cuban, and like everybody's talking to him, like you can you feel already the, you can feel the millions of dollars just like emanating from him. Like you can just <laughs> feel it. Like I don't know, it's something with bitcoins. I don't know. You can just feel that there's like some sort of energy that flows out of him. I meant to tell you this, and I'm gonna tell you something. Did you invest all your money in Bitcoin? Is that what happened? I did not. But somebody DM'd me the other day and said, I'll offer you $200 in Bitcoin if you DM Mark Cuban. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, I didn't even respond. I just showed my wife and I was like, look, this dude's offering me $200 to DM Cuban. I'm like, that ain't Did happening. Did he give you a specific thing he wanted you to say? No, it was like it was advertising for a business or something. How but. many Bitcoins is like a dollar? I have no clue. I've never even any of that stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google right now the exchange rate. So continue to tell your story about Cuban. No, that was it. I just didn't. Well, back to all I go. Like when you walk up to Cuban and in the media is there, like you already have like a good atmosphere. When the media is sitting there waiting for Carlisle to walk up, Carlisle walks up every single time with the same look on his face, like he's pissed off at the world. So like, there's nobody like laughing. Just, there's like, nobody smiling. Yeah, but you're just like crap. All right, now I've got to ask him a question. Uh, hey Rick, you know what do you think about the passing? Like nobody's like nobody's ever in a chippery mood to talk about Carl. He kind of just like sets the tone of. Yo, Google says that two hundred bitcoins. Yeah. Is one million two hundred thousand dollars? No, well he said two hundred dollars in Bitcoin. Oh. So how much ever that? That's point zero three Bitcoin. <laughs> Can you even do that? I have no clue. I don't even know what. I, That's like, three what? cents in Bitcoin. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Carlisle has that thing. And then post game, I didn't know if a question was going to be asked because there was this long pause afterwards. And I was not going to be the first one to ask a question. I didn't want to come in and be that guy. But there was just this long pause. And I was like, are we going to get any questions? <laughs> I thought yeah. he was just going to be like, no, nah, I'm done. It's like, I'm just out of it. So anyway, um, another, trying to think of- another quote that we wanted to talk about from that audio um, was the quote that was flying around. Um, I, you know, I tweeted out a whole bunch of people tweeted it out about, you know, what Carlisle said about Nerlens Noel. Uh, I'm working on, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a story right now about Carlisle and Nerlens's relationship. Uh, Cause it's just been really interesting, but so this is, this is what happened. So the same guy, Chris, that we were talking about, um, asked the question. Um, he asked Carlisle. He said, you know, have you ever seen a big as skilled as Noel Embiid? You know, he can take threes. He can dribble up the floor. Like, you've played against Hakeem. You've played against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, you played against all these crazy skilled guys. Have you ever seen a big as skilled as Joel Embiid? You know, he can take threes and dribble up the floor. And that's what he finished with. He didn't finish with a question. He finished with that last statement. He can take threes and dribble up the floor. Carlisle's first response, nothing mentioned about Noel that whole time or any Mavericks bigs. It was a specific question about Joel Embiid. Carlisle's first response was, well, Noel thinks he can do it. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> just that says so much. Like I don't care what people say. It does, say that, man. That means nothing. It that means so much, man. Like that comment, the fact that it was the first thing out of his mouth that that's going through his head of Nerlens thinks he unprompted, can do that. unprompted. <laughs> he did not have to throw Noel under the bus then, and he just did. Man, it. I don't know when I when you told me that. Cause like I said, I was on. I was watching Embiid warm up. I chose to watch him warm up instead of go see Carlisle. And Nick came out and told me about that quote, and I was like floored. I'm like, can he really say that? Like, unlike you, you said, like unprompted. Like he did. He just like. I mean, that just screams that there are there's are there's something there, and they're not fully on the same page. Which I mean, I think we can all like figure that out. It reminds me of that Beauty and the Beast song. There's really something there that wasn't there before. <laughs> Did you really just quote Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> like, there's just something, man. And it's not something sweet and almost kind. And he was mean and she was... No, it's almost it's almost on point. He was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, he was mean and coarse and unrefined. That's kind of like Nerlens. He is unrefined. Anyway. All right. So... <laughs> That happened. So let's unpack this. Let's just unpack this. This is what a podcast is for. So, and we over-speculate on everything. Noel thinks he can do it. So to me, that says he thinks he can take threes and dribble up the floor. Um, I went and told Noel this just to, you know, warn him that this might happen. Uh, I won't tell you what he said, but he was just kind of confused. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. He was just confused. He did not understand. Um why that was said <laughs> at all. Uh, but I did see him at halftime dribble up from half court, do a spin move into a three and like brick it pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> but everybody does it at warmups, you know, taking threes at warmups. Sala takes threes in warmups. So uh, do you think Nerlens can thinks that he can do this or is this Carlisle just saying, you know, Nerlens thinks that he's better than he really is? No, I don't. I don't think Nerlens thinks he can shoot threes. He can't shoot threes. He knows that. I think it was just a, a jab that Carlos not stupid. He knows everyone right now is saying Nerlens should play more. He's the best. He, you know, like all this stuff. Like why Nerlens can do all these things. So I think it was just a subtle jab of yeah, Nerlens and everyone, including the media, is thinks that Nerlens is this great all around center, and Carlos doesn't think that. And it was just a subtle jab at really, I think everyone, and and like Nerlens also that hey, like you're not that good. Like you might think <laughs> you're in this all around great center. Yeah. Like he, I mean, Nerlens, he's not stupid. He he knows he's he's not like a three point shooter. He's not a stretch five. But it's yeah, I mean it. It's still a wild comment, like <laughs> for Carlisle to say it. But it's I mean it's a classic Carlisle uh, comment, but. It's whatever, man. I mean, it just it goes goes into our narrative. I mean, we both say that he's gone. I don't, I don't see a scenario in which he stays right now. But yeah, like I thought it was, I don't know, twenty five percent the you know before the season started, and and now it's dwindled down to like five. <laughs> like there's just this small chance that you know things can get turned around at this point, but you know, yeah. and the five percent is is literally hinging on the fact that the NBA is so crazy that anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that is just a weird thing. So then the Embiid talk continued during – this is all during pregame. 
uh, before the game had even started where people are asking about Embiid and, you know, and Simmons. And by the way, Embiid and Simmons, so weird. And we'll talk about these guys that they, so the Sixers have a seven foot two center that can shoot threes and they have a six foot 10 point guard that can't shoot at all. <laughs> so your center shoots threes and your point guard can't shoot. Just so weird. What a paradox. But so those guys are crazy, but the, Embiid talk continued, and someone asked him about Shaq. Some guy was, you know, walking around. He asked Brett Brown the same exact question about, you know, Shaq was a guy that was pretty unguardable coming into the league, and, you know, how do you stop a guy like Shaq? You know, and Joel's kind of getting that way where he can, you know, drive on you. He can hit threes. He can get you in the post. You know, he can do all these things. And so when asked about Shaq, Carlisle responded, you know, with – couple other things and then he said at the end you have to be careful what you show in pregame edits or it might scare the crap out of your team and he didn't say (laughs) crap he said the other word but (laughs) scare your team uh that got all of us in the media room really good because (laughs) just thinking about you know showing you know video of Shaq and just saying all right Nerlens or all right Dwight you guys are gonna Dirk you guys are gonna guard this dude tonight and just imagine the terror the terror on Nerlens Noel's face if he had to guard a guy like Shaq yeah I mean and we saw it too it's funny because when I was watching uh Embiid warm up he warmed up forever before the game and Dwight Powell comes out and he comes out of the tunnel and he comes out beside the Phillies end and then he walks down the sidelines and he goes and sets like on the bench and he's like talking to like an assistant coach, whatever. And you know, it's just shoot around. It's not the layup lines or anything like that. Like it's just the shoot arounds, pregame stuff. And I'm not kidding you. Dwight Powell sat over there on the bench and just stared and watched Embiid warm up for like a straight five minutes. <laughs> and like you couldn't. Like I was just imagining what was going through his head of holy crap, that dude is massive. And I he have just... to guard him. And his shot is so much better than mine. Yeah, I mean, just uh. And dude's been playing basketball for. Seven years, six months, well, <laughs> and and that, got that's <laughs> <laughs> Ten years and that's ago. another thing. Just a you know a reminder. This is the first time a lot of these guys have even seen him. I mean, seen him play. Yeah, and, that's one of the reasons why there's so many questions about Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Is that this is the first time the Mavericks had actually played them at home? Yeah, and I mean Embiid, you know, has been out for the past nine years, and. He's finally playing now, and Ben Simmons obviously set out all of, all of last year. So, but man, just seeing Embiid, you know, Nick and I, we sat and we sat there in the front row and just watched Embiid go through these shooting routines. And we had the same exact expression on our face like Dwight Powell, except for we weren't going to be guarding <laughs> Embiid later in the day. Yeah, and just seeing, I mean, he's like what seven three. He's just a rock solid, and just seeing, I mean, just a beautiful shooting stroke and. It's so effortless, it's, man. Like some of these centers yeah. that are trying to take threes, you know, it doesn't look smooth. Some guard, some guards, man, don't, their three point shot doesn't look smooth. But Embiid's is just so smooth, man. Yeah, and a weird thing that Nick and I we noticed. So in, in the pregame, you know, teams players come out whatever and do their shooting routines and yeah, stuff. Everybody's got their pregame routine. They nap and you know, warm yeah. up at certain times. Dirk has his whole thing. Philly. Has brings out two training tables and puts them literally like on the court, like two training tables. And of all franchise, like you want to crack all these jokes and be like, 
of course Philly. Like you never know with Philly, so they're they're being extra cautious. They've had all these injuries with Noel and then Embiid and then you know, now Fultz, and you know they shut down all these dudes you know, throughout the you know the years, and they bring out these tables. So these training tables are. You know, any like if you've been to a physical therapy or anything like that, it's these cushiony tables that they sit. It's kind of like just like a doctor's table or whatever, but it's yeah. portable. So they set them up and they set them out right in the middle of the aisle, like on the court. So they have these two tables on the court, and maybe it's because the Mavs locker room, like the visitor locker room, is really tiny, and they need yeah. to be able to do that. But uh, a lot of times I've seen them set it up in the back hallway, you know, and not on the floor. But they would just came out, set it on the floor, and um, yeah. They had a they had a bunch of weird um, techniques, tools. I guess. <laughs> they had weird tools. They had, you know, we should, we we're there early for a lot of in a lot of teams. You know, they'll they do these different stretches and different stuff. And some people have like bands. You know, that's common. And these stretch bands, these different type of things. Some jump rope, maybe sometime. Philly had these like javelin type things that the players would put around their like <laughs> neck and do these like crazy stretches and it's just kind of funny because especially over the past couple weeks we've a lot of people's been taking their jabs at the philly medical staff and everything with their own metaphorical javelins (laughs) with how they're handling folds and uh it was just i don't know just some odd stuff but what about the ski poles like those huge poles that Embiid was using to like keep his balance like yeah weird as heck man like what i don't know just never seen never seen anything like that. They could be like the new thing and they're just a trendy thing now, so they're ahead of the curve in Philly. Like I feel like the Mavericks just use resistance bands and that's the only thing I see them use. And those roller things for your, you know, muscles. But Yeah, like your calves and all that stuff. I don't yeah. see anything weird like that, but I don't know, man. Maybe they're maybe it's the next Phoenix Suns training staff. You never know. They could be <laughs> the next doing the next experimental thing. I will say this about Ben Simmons. I was watching his shot up close. And, you know, obviously that's the biggest thing about his game as far as, like, if there's a weakness. And I swear he shoots it. He releases it on the way down. And if, like, I don't know how much that alters everything, but it's like he hits his climax, his, like, top peak point in his jump. And then it's like a split second after that he shoots it. And it's just a little odd. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just a weird, it's a weird shot, but... It's definitely something. I don't know. Do you want to talk about them too now? Yeah. Uh, Just like. Yeah. My friend Dave Dufour has been on the podcast before, and then famously Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. They both, you know, think that he is, you know, a right a righty shooting left handed. So he should be shooting. He should switch hands completely and go right handed. You know, like Tristan Thompson tried to do recently. <laughs> um, so yeah, just all the you know that mechanics is just. Is so weird, but he shoots right-handed floaters really well. That's yeah. So. That's one of the reasons why Dave Dave did this whole thing in summer league where he like we spent a night where he just talked to me about Ben Simmons shooting. <laughs> this is before the dude was drafted. Like this is two years ago <laughs> that he just went all like I mean for an hour just about how Ben Simmons should shoot with the other hand. By the end of it, I was like, "All right, you've convinced me. Just <laughs> 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 let's stop talking about Ben Simmons shooting a different way." Those, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me, and I, I tweeted this from the, the Mavs Moneyball account as sort of a joke, is that something I learned about basketball from this game is if you're tall, it helps you with playing basketball. Basketball comes easier to you if you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've just circled back to the fact that 
tall people should play basketball because it makes it makes it a lot easier. Ben Simmons, ben Simmons gets so many easy shots. Just at the rim, it's just it seems so effortless because he can just float over people. It's like that Gasol shot that we talked about over Noel. He gets that over everybody that guards him because Wes was guarding him in this game like we like we predicted, and I mean he can just go over the top of him every time. Nick, I have a, a semi-hot take. Ben Simmons is a better prospect than Embiid. No. Oh, I I, I believe it. Why? Joel, First of all, like, Joel Embiid, without the health concerns, is a complete player. Like, but he's complete, but he's not as explosive. And that's what Charks and I were talking about, like, up top. He's not as explosive as what he used to be. Like, there's times where he's just kind of just trotting down the court. Like, yeah, he, he kind of has a shackness to him of, hey, let's get in the ball in the post. Like, once he gets it in the post, like, he's a he's a monster. But and I, I'm not picking him apart. He's, he's, he's awesome. But in today's game, like, there, there are very few players. As soon as I left that game that night, I called my dad. And I said, Dad, he's like, man, how was Embiid? And I said, man, Embiid was cool. But Ben Simmons, wow. Like, that man, that 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 dude. There's very few players, especially young players, that I just watch, and I'm just like, he can be a top five player in the league in the next like five years. He is so dang good. He is he has Lonzo's vision, but in a six ten body. And when I like when I wa- first walked down the stairs when I first got there, and I I sat on the front row and watching Simmons warm up. You know, we we obviously see on a stat sheet or whatever it's like oh he's sixteen six eleven it's like okay whatever and then you get out there and you're just reminded that of how big he is and he's not like Tayshawn Prince either like he's yeah. cut yeah and so like and how he controls the game he has that and people have been talking about a lot here lately about Giannis about does he need an outside shot like Giannis because he can get to the rim almost at will and you can almost say that a little bit about Ben Simmons because. It's almost like he don't even like really need it because he can get into the paint. It's just his feel for the game already. Like this is year one, and how he controls the offense, his passing, his vision, his—I mean, some of his plays the other night. I mean, holy crap! I mean, he—he he like pro like that pass to the corner to Embiid. Oh my gosh! I that I missed it during the real game because it was so subtle. But he basically drove into the block, the you know the right block. He stopped. There's two Mavericks defenders on him. He's bent over the ball, you know, bent over the baseline basically, and just wrapped around. I think it was Noel's leg. Wrapped around Noel's leg with his right hand and threw it out to Embiid on the three-point line. Perfect, you know, perfect pass, and Joel made the three. I mean, that is a high-level play to be able to just, you know, to stop, collect yourself, find an open man, you know, completely wide open man, and just toss it over to him, you know, in that tight window because he's, you know, being swarmed by these arms all over the place. Yeah, I mean, his passing – unreal like different level and then like there's a few plays that night i mean he did that like pro hop in the lane and just threw it down two-handed and you just get reminded like if philly can surround him with bigger wings like who you know who are the steph curry's gonna guard like who are the like i feel like that could be the next level in today's game of having these point guards like Giannis and ben simmons huge (laughs) yeah i mean it's insane the monster era just because everybody's gonna be massive he does, and you know, like you love Magic Johnson, so it's like yeah. he does remind, like just watching how he just flows, and that kid's special, and he is some like some watching some young prospects in the league. You're like, okay, he's good, 
I mean, it, it, okay. I, I don't want to be like Debbie Down or whatever. I think Dennis is going to be great. Like, I think he will be great. But when, when I watch Dennis, you can see different areas. Like, oh, yeah, he really needs to get improving that. Or, okay, here and there, here and there, here and there. When I watch, like, when I watch Dennis, I think of he's a multiple all-star. He can be a top, you know, 10-point guard in the league. When I watch Ben Simmons, I'm like, that kid can be a top five player in the league in five years. Like, five, six, seven years. Like, that. I, that's how high, like, I am on him. It, everything's going to come easier for Ben Simmons because of his size. You know, because yeah. of that position. Uh, he has the luxury of having Embiid playing behind him. So if he gets so somebody blows by him, let's say he's, you know. But the thing is, he doesn't have to guard point guards. <laughs> That's the thing. You can switch because everybody switches anyway. So you might as well just switch him onto a power forward or, you know, a three or whatever. So he's not going to have that issue. A lot of times with taller point guards, you're like, well, he's super tall, you know, but can he guard the point guards out on the perimeter? He doesn't need to. <laughs> yeah. Def- yeah. Defenses have become so, uh, you know, smart, and they've, you know, figured out these switches to the point where they can, you know, figure it out going back on the other side that, you know, which guy they're going to take and all the stuff, and they're organized enough that, you know, he doesn't have to guard point guards. So that – all of it's just going to come way easier to him. It's it's effortless for Ben Simmons. It's going to take some work for Dennis Smith Jr. In, in games and, you know, outside of the game, you know, working on his craft, working on his jump shot. Uh, because you know the jumping and leaping ability is going to make it easy for Ben for Dennis Smith Jr. in certain areas, but not as easy as Ben Simmons. Man, that I mean. And Carlisle talked about Ben Simmons, and he, yeah. I'm gonna you know butcher this like exact quote, but he said, "Man, we knew he was going to be good, but he's way better than we expected." Yeah, we didn't know he was right now. Be that good. <laughs> yeah, like, and I mean, it's just, and you you have to think about if you if you look at this in the long run. And you say, you know, Ben missed his whole first year. How much that contributed to now? Like, how much of a head start did that give him between just learning the nuances of the NBA life of traveling and practices and just everything about the NBA life that he learned this whole first year without playing and now his actual first year on the court, his second year in the league, basically. It's like he, it's a, you know, when Dennis is learning that all at one time, now Ben's just learning the encore stuff of actual playing in the games, and but a kid special, special future in Philly. You really want you know Fultz will have a lot to do with that. Um, Sarge, man, Sarge, you know, so not really surprised me, but just I mean he hit four threes. Yeah, so, he's I mean, four that was, of seven from three, which you know, and that's what you know Dallas is playing. At, Dallas, man, they, they played Mass through so much different stuff against Philly. They played zone. Yeah, they put they put Dirk on NBA, put Dwight, they put Nerlens. They they did all this different stuff, and sometimes they were doubling Embiid, and they would leave Sarich open, and you know, it's like you have to pick who you want to leave open. And but what do you uh, what do you think about Embiid and Nerlens starting off <laughs> against each other? <laughs> Before we get to that, I wanted to just say that. Um, like people have talked about this whole sitting out for one year in your rookie year and saying, oh, you know, we should redshirt in the NBA because it'll make them better players starting out. But if you think about a guy like Julius Randle, you know, that didn't really work for him. And maybe that's just, maybe it's just a case by case scenario, but we've seen it also work the other way where a guy doesn't play his whole first year. It just doesn't really, you know, doesn't really pan out, <laughs> you know, even if he's with a, a team the whole, t- the whole time. Uh, but yeah, so Embiid with Embiid on Noel, I'll tell I'll tell you this. Joel Embiid did not dunk on Nerlens Noel every single possession like he intended. 
He threw down like a Nerlens was out of the way, but then Embiid threw down like a two handed massive dunk. But he just can no can Embiid throw down a non massive dunk? He'd have to really try hard. I think it's just levels of massive that he can throw down. Because <laughs> honestly, two years ago I stood next to him at summer league. You just feel like a different species of human. He's up there with the Anthony Davises, the Giannis's, you know, the guys that are just, you look at them and you stand next to them and you just go, how, how, how sway? Like, how is that possible? Yeah. I mean, cause he has the body of like a, um, I'm trying to think like, don't say gorilla, whatever you say. No, like Jonas up in, or, uh, up in Toronto Jonas or Valanciunas. Yeah. Like he has a body like Valanciunas, like, but he like you when you see him, he I walks would, out. You would think he's just this like really slow, like oh, like just a back to the basket, just the like if you were just a normal person walking up into the arena, you would think he's just some slow seven three guy that's just whatever. You would never think he's that skilled as he is. I would attribute him more to Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard is probably six nine six ten like Dwight Howard is not a true seven footer he's he's probably shorter but Joel Embiid is a legit seven two he is Dwight Howard stretched <laughs> you know taking the same weight like the exact same weight and muscles yeah. and just stretch them that extra four inches or whatever it is that the difference is between the two because uh, his you know his he's just a huge dude <laughs> just like a massive dude so uh Covington also I was impressed by him uh, yeah. Again, in those those warm ups we were watching, and Covington was doing the the Curry dribbling drills, you know that Curry does before the game. So he's definitely got some skills. He hit three threes in that game. Solid, um, solid player. He's going to get paid. Yeah, yeah, definitely going to get paid. Hopefully, it's by the Sixers. Well, I can't say that as a Mavericks podcast. We hope that it's you know by the Mavericks, but <laughs> you know for the, for the Seventy Sixers' sake. Uh, yeah. What do you think about Justin Anderson? Man, it's good to see him back. Man, I miss that guy. Such a one. I mean, just a genuinely good dude. And I mean, you saw we saw Justin. He was hugging um, ushers in in the arena. Yeah, I mean, coaches, fans that he you know knew before. I mean, he was just here for you know a year and a half or whatever. And but no, it was good to see him get some minutes. I like Justin. I think he. I don't know if he'll ever be a just a starting, you know, two guard or something, but I think he could be a, a solid, you know, seventh man off the bench though. We will talk about this conversation that, that we had later on a different podcast, but he said, what would Justin Anderson have to do for the Mavericks to regret the Nerlens Noel trade? That is a very interesting question in regards to Justin Anderson. Yeah. I mean, if, if Nerlens leaves this summer, like we think he will, um, I mean, it's it's one of those trades, and, and I even say I would do the Rondo trade a hundred times. Like probably, yeah. I I understood it. I mean, hindsight, you say, oh no, but like, and just like the Snurlins thing, you know, you do that trade a hundred times, but you like the trade happened, and you I was you know it was never crossed my mind. There's no scenario in which this would you know even remotely turn out bad or whatever. And if Nerlens leaves and then Justin turns into something, or even like the second round picks, I mean, what if they turn into something? I think maybe Jonah Bolden was one of them, or something. You know, this past year, and they have another one they're getting next year from us. So I don't know. We can talk about it more later on. I want to mention two Mavericks to you real quick: Wes Matthews, Harrison Barnes. Gosh, man, Harrison Barnes, seven of twelve from three in this game. Can we get off of him? 
Can we get off of him? Can we get because... off of him, man? Okay, so this is these are the things, though. These are the things people are going to still get on him about. Zero assists, zero free throw attempts. I'm just going to point put those out there. But we were just on him last game about how he pounds the rock, he shoots it too much, especially at the end of the game. He still shot it at the end of the game. But... Exactly, and he made two big-time threes. And it's the exact same thing what we talked about a few pods ago to where when he makes them, it's we're saying, hallelujah, thank you so much, Harrison. And then he misses them, and we're like, why'd you shoot it for? Why'd you force him? Because those two threes were forced threes. <laughs> those were forced shots, and yet they both went in, and we, we had the perfect opportunity to to go in overtime. I think the threes that he took in the 76ers game were a little more open than the ones in the Grizzlies game. But They're like three feet behind the line. Like that that's, first why one was, more, that's why he was more open. <laughs> <laughs> that's still forced. But he had, he had guys in his face. But, yeah, I mean, 7 of 12 from three, those numbers speak for themselves. Uh, yeah, but the two categories people are going to point out is, you know, zero is a huge number, <laughs> huge number to just sit out yeah. there. But, yeah, down the stretch, he was clutch. He was really, really good. And then Yogi, man. Yogi, what was it, 25 of 26 from free, from the free throw line heading into, you know, this last attempt from him. So the Mavericks, uh, Harrison Barnes hits these two massive threes, like just huge. The crowd's on their feet and everything. The game's, you know, down the line. And it felt like the whole game, and we talked about these two dudes a lot, but it just seemed like the Ben Simmons and Bede show. And those yeah. guys could – it seemed like they could do anything they wanted on the floor. And then all of a sudden I look up and there's three minutes left and the Mavericks are only down by five. And I just said, what the heck? How is this possible? Because it just seems so lopsided at that point. And so Harrison Barnes hits those two threes and then Yogi gets the ball and basically they're going to run this last play. They, they can run the clock out with this play. You know, They're going to get this last shot. They can tie it if they get two points, right? Or they could go ahead. Well, when Yogi gets the ball? Yeah, I think they could. I yeah, think we're down by two. They're down two, and so because he, he missed the free throw to put him up by three, and we got the rebound with no timeout. Yeah, so Yogi gets the ball. There's yeah, there's no timeout. So Yogi gets the ball. He's driving up the court, and then all of a sudden, it feels like they're gonna either start a play or he's gonna make a pass. But instead, he just makes a beeline straight for the basket, and you know the lane was wide open because the Mavericks were playing four out, and so the, he just went straight for the basket. He was met with two defenders, and then. You know, gets fouled and is, as the you know the ball comes off of his hand, so he goes to the free throw line. He was twenty five of twenty six from the free throw line heading into those two attempts, and the first one he takes so fast. He, he gets the ball, doesn't spin it, bounce it, anything. Gets the ball, puts it up, clanks it off the clanks it off the rim, uh, and the Mavericks aren't going to tie the game or win the game or anything. He had to make both of them for them to to tie it, go to overtime. Didn't happen. But man, that last play, such a heads up play by him. I mean, that's what you get from these point guards that have just been point guards for so long is that, you know, they know exactly what to do in, in these moments. They get the ball. He's like, forget passing, forget going into a shot, you know, just go for the basket. And Harrison Barnes mentioned this after the game. He said a lot of times we get in these ruts where we have, you know, we're thinking too much. We're trying to make the right pass too much. We're trying, you know, we're trying too hard to, you know, to do the unselfish thing or to run the right way. And just sometimes you just got to make a basketball play. And that Yogi play at the end was a basketball play. Yeah, I mean, he took it with like six seconds left and ran the course of the court. You know, some some guys, especially like Yogi, I mean, you're most likely the fourth option on the court at that time. Yeah, yeah <laughs> probably, yeah, probably the I think fifth. Dirk to be was honestly. on the floor. I think Dennis was on the floor. Harrison and, and Wes. Yeah, so you're literally the fifth option. So everyone's probably thinking, 
you know, you're going to dump it off or pass it to somebody. And that's kind of why the lane opened up and he went for it. And you can't, you know, just like the Memphis, well, this one's a little bit more explainable, I guess, than Dennis's forced shot at the end of the Memphis game. But well, there's nobody between Yogi and the basket, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and these free throws. <laughs> so yeah, um, it was a tough loss for sure. Um, it's tough loss depending on your mindset. And Nick and I are still going to talk about this at some point in some pod. The debate between tanking and not, but yeah, you know, I just I seen some stuff online, Twitter and stuff that's already like. Oh, that's exactly what we want. Competitive gains, but still a loss. Hmm. It's like, dang you. Like, I'm just, I mean, I, I get it. I, I know there's a lot of people listening that that's how you feel. And that's what we want, Isaac. That's what the people that's what, want. That's whatever you can, you can feel that way, but I'm still rooting for wins and I want these guys to, to win some ball games. But anyway, it's not about you, Isaac. It's about the team. It's about, <laughs> about what's best for the team. It's about these guys growing too and learning how to, how to win. No, they'll figure it out later. Dennis is the best. Lastly, unless you have something. Go. Is there any scenario in which you would like to take a flyer on Jaleel Okafor? Oh, man. Not with eight centers on the roster. I mean, like, I'm not saying his name just because I dislike him. I'm just saying, like, on the court. Dwight Powell for Jaleel Okafor. Like, would you do that? Just just because you're getting the salary relief. Just just for the salary relief, though. Yeah, because I just what are you getting with with Julie Okafor? You're getting a guy that could be potentially a twenty point per game scorer, uh, decent rebounder, you know, bad to terrible defender. You know, like the Mavericks already checked those boxes with other players. <laughs> you know, like how much more can Julie Okafor give you than what Dirk can give you? right now yeah no no, oh i i get it i'm just saying like whoever is going to get okafor from philly he's not going to go instantly be a starter he's going to go into a development and now like philly and him are obviously not on this too bad they don't have a development league man wouldn't that be nice if they had development (laughs) league oh wait they do it's called the g league now what no way screws me up all the time i feel like that's (laughs) just some you know camp for sports drinkers i don't know Um, but man, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Okafor, but I, I typically do tend to lean on these top three, top five picks that flame out really quick with their team. That if you can get your hands on them and take a flyer on one of them to see what you can develop in a year or so. Um, I'm usually, I'm usually a a fan of that. Yeah. Like a Hashim the beat or like a Derek Williams or like, like, like a D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell, he was—he had some moments with the Lakers too. Like he had a forty-point game with the Lakers. Yeah, but I'm like, Okafor is not going to have the impact as Russell. But it's those type of situations to where it flamed out in L.A. and now Brooklyn comes in and says, "Hey, yeah, we'll take him." <laughs> and I mean, that's great. So yeah, but for every D'Angelo Russell, there's an Anthony Bennett, there's a Derek Williams, there's a yeah, West, for sure, a Wesley Johnson, there's a Sheem the Beat. That's what I'm saying for the right price. Yeah, like for the right situation like you're not gonna give up no draft pick you're not going anything like that but if it takes you know a player or you know like a a bench player to say let me take a flyer on the kid i'm i'm for it yeah i just don't know if you're gonna what potential he's ever gonna reach if you're gonna play the way the mavericks are playing now and if there's gonna be this many centers on the roster because he can't play four it's just you know impossible and so now now at this point you know 
Dwight Powell's a guy that can play four. Um, and so now you just added another guy that can only play five. So I, I get what you're saying. I understand taking, you know, flyers on a guy, but I would be much more up for it if it was a, you know, anybody, anything other than a five, <laughs> even a point guard. If it was a point guard, you know, I might even take a flyer. If, you know, if Julia Okafor was a point guard, but. But why not a five though? Because when, because when, when the draft comes in the summer and we're sitting there with, with like the ninth pick and Mo Bamba or DeAndre Ayton's there, we're going to take them. See, because that, like see, that to me is, at the end of this year, at, well, at the end of this year, there's a good chance we're not going to have any of them. Like Dirk, well, let's just say Dirk retires, Nerlens leaves in free agency, Salah is a free agent. Who we, we got? Jeff Withy. Immediately, a five becomes a huge need for us. Right, it's like it's, that's different because at the end of you know at the end of the year, you're that. You also with your draft pick, you can keep them for eight years if they're good. You know, we would probably get a guy in the draft that's a good defender. You know, not just a, a bad to terrible one. That to me is, is huge. Your center has to be good defensively. All of these offensive centers are getting just run off the floor. You mentioned Valanciunas earlier. The Raptors have been trying to trade that dude for, I don't know, how long has he been in the NBA? That long? <laughs> He's been, they've been trying to trade. <laughs> no, they, res- they they gave him like a four-year deal. They had no tra- they had no choice. They weren't ever going to get another you know talent there. So they, they had I don't think I don't think Okafor can be a starter. I think Okafor is like Max is like a Greg Monroe. Like a six-man scoring big off the bench. Like – Greg Monroe is what I've envisioned Okafor in the best best case scenario. And with your I, with your future NBA, everybody is six seven and above. You know, then that could work. <laughs> hey, some people are thinking Greg Monroe could be like six man of the year this year. Interesting. So. So yeah, anyway. I might take a flyer on him, but this iteration of the roster would be it'd be tough too. Last year, I definitely would have done it. Hundred percent would have done it last year. You're weird, Nick. Why it ma- it matters what, what <laughs> roster you have? No, yeah, it matters. I, the only thing I'd say to that is like we're another year farther in rebuilding mode now. Like rebuilding is is more in, more um, important or more impactful now, more part of the game plan now than it was a year ago. You just hate Dwight Powell so much. You'd rather have Jaleel Okafor. Is what you're telling me. I ran a poll on the Smoky Cuban Twitter. Would you trade Dwight Powell straight up for Jaleel Okafor? It has like 400 and something votes, and it's like 85% yes. And all these people were quote <laughs> You've tweeting poisoned. It. You've poisoned the minds of all of your, all of your readers. I'm not, I'm not poisoning. All these people were quote tweeting it with things that they would trade Dwight Powell for, and I was dying laughing, like a bag of Halloween candy. <laughs> uh, like Man, dude, I could go for some candy right now. <laughs> It stinks when you're um, old and you can't trick or treat and you don't have kids. You're in this weird zone where you're like, "Well, I could go spend five bucks on a bag of candy, but it's not." I'm the, trying to debate if I'm gonna if I'm gonna hand out candy Halloween night at our house. What an old man you are! I don't know. My dad called me a Halloween Grinch if I don't. I'm like, is that yeah. even a thing? Well, I'm in an apartment complex and I don't know the I don't know the rules for this. I've never been home on a Halloween night because I've either had you know NBA or if I, I've had you know a job that I work nights. I've never had in you know, a night off, which I am going to have this year. With you know, what's the what's the procedures here? Like, do do people still do trick or treating in an apartment complex? How does that work? Some I lived in an apartment complex last year, and I just think that would be so it. sad as a kid because you because. What do you think? Twenty five percent of people are going to open their door. <laughs> Those are not no, good you, odds. You man. have to like if you have a kid, you have to go to like a popular street or a popular neighborhood 
you go and to, just walk the streets. You go do what we did as kids. In in Cincinnati, Ohio, they have this thing called Homerama. I don't know if you have it here in Texas, but they call it Homerama. <laughs> Every year they build these like crazy awesome, you know, housing complex where there's these million dollar homes and they you know, everybody can walk through and they, they show them, they show them off to everybody. And it's just, you know, this huge marketing thing for, you know, ha, ha, like million dollar houses, right? You go to the Homerama neighborhoods. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You, you go to those, the biggest houses, the house you look at and you go, why does anyone need a house that big? You probably have, you know, two or one kids, you know, like <laughs> why do you need that much space? Like, what are you hiding in there? What dead bodies are in your basement that you need, you know, and you guys don't have basements here in Texas, but. You know, what, what skeletons do you have in all of your 12 closets that you need a house that big? Those are the best neighborhoods. They hand out, like, the best candy. Yeah. Man, a caramel yeah. apple I could go for right now, too. That'd be great. <laughs> well, my wife has roast on, like, in the crock pot. Oh. So I'm about, to, I'm about to go eat some roast. All right. How long would it take me to get over there? About 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> Guys, before we go, I just wanted to let you know that, and I will announce this again in the next couple of podcasts, we're doing a draft league. So draft is this new app that's sponsoring the podcast. We really appreciate. And it's super easy. It has these snake drafts. And on Wednesdays is our, our draft day. So I will announce it on Wednesdays. We're going to have this league. So download the draft app. You have to put in a deposit. So just put in like a dollar. Just do like a dollar deposit or whatever. It counts as part of your you know entry fees for whatever draft you want to enter so just download draft follow me uh it's locked on nick follow me and then i'll you know have a locked on mavericks draft uh with like you know six or eight people or whatever so it's super exclusive so if you want to get into it you know it do these snake drafts where as soon as the league is filled you know as soon as we have the six or eight people or whatever you fill it up everybody has a three dollar entry one dollar entry you know entry fee it all goes in this pool and then whoever wins gets the money at the end it's super fun you do these snake drafts with whoever's playing at night so let's say you have this slate of 10 games or whatever you have you know 20 teams that you can pick from all these players and you go back and forth and it's super fun so we want to do that on wednesdays so download the app or you can just do it online draft you know draft.com and uh, follow me locked on nick and we will get on that super excited about it it's super fun it's addicting i had to stop playing because i was playing a little too much just they have these dollar leagues man and you just like throw dollars and dollars and dollars at it and uh yeah it's just super fun to like pick who you think is gonna play well and then it gives you incentive to watch more nba which is what we all want come let me take your money <laughs> a couple bucks here and there wouldn't hurt anybody and you're gonna win every <laughs> once in a while so that's true i play DraftKings right now and it just makes me mad but draft this new draft app i'm excited for it it's going to be good, and it is good. I, I played it last week, and I enjoyed it a lot. Guys, thank you so much for joining on Locked On Mavericks. Uh, review the podcast. If you have not, go to iTunes. Give us five stars. It's super easy on mobile now. I'm so glad they changed this. You just go to Locked On Mavs. So you just hit your, your podcast thing. You go to library, hit shows. You find the Locked On Mavericks. I'm literally doing it right now. You find Locked On Mavericks. You go to available episodes, or you hit the, uh, you hit the podcast button you go straight to the page and then you just scroll down and it shows the uh it shows you know you can rate it you can leave a review tell us what you guys like about it and uh, we'll read them on the show peace out boom